Welcome to Vice or Virtue, an Aggie pod where Aggie fans talk about Aggie jams. My name is Justin Bruce. This is episode two of Vice or Virtue. Thanks to everyone who gave episode one a listen, passed it along to an Aggie friend or a friend who could conceivably get into the band Aggie. We are going to be talking about a really fantastic stretch of shows from October of 2023, uh, parts of the Midwest run. We're going to talk about the 19th in Cleveland, the 20th in Chicago, and the 21st in Minneapolis. And our guest host today is none other than Josh Carver, who is Nola Sox on Instagram and Mastodon. Josh, thanks so much for being a part of the project. How are you? Hey, Justin. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. And we have a very good mutual friend, Brian Brinkman from HF Pod and Osiris, this and that, including Beyond the Pond. Uh, did you get Brian into Eggie? Because Brian got me into Eggie. So I feel like I may have you to thank for that. What's your Eggie backstory? I think probably Brian and uh, Dave Goldstein, we're, we're in a group chat um, and we're constantly talking about music and sports and, and other types of things. I think it kind of just came up organically. Definitely Dave was kind of talking a bit about Eggy because uh, they're a, a Connecticut jam band and he's a big fan of Connecticut jam bands being a Connecticut guy. So just, you know, we started just passing around songs back and forth and, and shows that we liked. Probably, I would say, summer into fall of 2022. And you know, what really kind of, I think, hooked me initially was uh, hearing their cover of uh, Time Escaping, um, Big Thief's Time Escaping. I was looking back and and they actually first covered that song like, I don't know, 10 or 12 days after after Big Thief released the song. So like Eggie wow. was covering the song like within, you know, less than two weeks after they released the song. And I love that Big Thief album. Um, and we were chatting about that Big Thief album a lot because it's just an absolutely fantastic album. And Time Escaping is a wonderful song off of that. Um, and it has a bit of that like fire on the mountain feel um, to the song. And like Eggy just makes it their own. I think the, uh, the fish analogy would be like uh, Golden Age, right? Like this is, this is a, a modern rock cover that they've done and they just make it completely their own. And like that hearing like Eggy taking this like modern rock song or indie rock song and just like putting their own stamp on it and then like jamming, you know, for 12 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, like hearing that was like, oh, like this, this is an interesting jam band that I might actually want to listen to a little bit more. <laughs> And then I think like from that hearing like their covers of like Crosby, Stills and Nash songs and the band songs, that really was like, oh, like there's something interesting here. I've been very hesitant to listen to and like follow other jam bands other than like Fish. Goose was kind of like, oh, like am I am I going to really start listening to like another jam band? Like there's plenty of great music out there. 
like most jam bands are, you know, pretty derivative and like not fish. Um, but just Eggy was doing something interesting through a couple of their covers. Uh, I kind of started to get into them and then um, started to listen to full shows and, you know, some of their originals just start to kind of like sink into your head and become earworms. And uh, the kind of the rest was now, now I'm listening to Eggy a lot. Well, I think, yeah, indirectly, I do have you and and certainly Brian and Dave to, to thank for also compelling me to add a third jam band to my repertoire when I thought initially a couple of years ago, like, oh, okay, Goose, uh, all right, I, these guys are great. I'm going to do this. I'm going to have two jam bands where I listen to every show. And yeah, beginning of 2023, uh, after texting with Brian and him passing me an Onitsuka Tiger from 2022 that I think you guys were going gaga over. I was like, ah, damn it. This is really good. And now I'm in the same boat with you guys. Uh, I, I want to embarrass you. Brian texted me this about you. He knows music, politics, baseball, and the law better than I ever could. I learn something new from him every day. So you are well esteemed by someone that I hold in high esteem. So uh, I hope I hope you bring it strong uh, to vice or virtue as we discuss this Midwest run. Uh, one of my first questions for each guest is, can you describe these shows that we're going to talk about in one word? One word? I would say peak, as in peak eggy, to go a little bit further than one word. I, this is just seems like one of their very, very best, you know, runs of last year, you know, it came in the, on the heels of like a really strong fall tour. Um, and it's just, you know, you've got three or four shows where like, it really seems like everything was kind of, you know, brought everything together and, you know, great song selection and just some really fantastic jamming. So that's a lot more than one word, but peak. Peak is good. That's always good. My one word for these three shows is groove, whether it's a, a dance party uh, or it's insane type two improv. It's really apparent to me in some of the big jams that we'll discuss that Alex, the drummer, is the skeleton that the band kind of exists around and kind of lives on top of. But they're so much more than a four on the floor, you know, dance party groove band. Uh, but I just I really heard and paid a lot of attention to Alex uh, in some of these bigger jams that we're going to get into. So, all right. Peak and groove. What's not to like about that? Uh, I will ask you first, Josh, uh, with this Cleveland show, and we're going to be listening to uh, audience recordings by Dave Lewis uh, from Cleveland and from Chicago. So thanks to Dave for taping. And then our third night in Minneapolis uh, is an odd by Mike Cook. And these all sound fantastic. Uh, you can get them easily on the Relisten app or archive.org. Of course, the soundboards are, are extra crispy on nugs.net. Josh, what was your big highlight? It can either be the first big highlight for you or just the biggest takeaway for you from October 19th in Cleveland. I think the biggest highlight to me is One Stop Shop, which is probably one of their best jams of the year. I think it's it's about 20 minutes long, um, just has this really great kind of laid back groovy jam, you know, kind of about 10, 10 minutes in around like 11 and a half minutes in, it just gets really, really groovy. There's like this patient jam before that. And then things get like darker. And then there's this like 
kind of Middle Eastern klezmery sounding jam uh, that then just morphs into like, you know, I think on like the carton, they say it's a Birdland tease, but it's really like a full on full band, like Birdland jam. Um, and it's just, it's one of their best jams, like I think of the fall and probably the entire year. Um, and, you know, one of, one of their better songs overall. Totally agree. This was my biggest takeaway from Cleveland. The one-stop shop is insane. I feel like I could do an hour-long podcast dissecting every moment of this jam and totally agree. It's really neat at the end of the jam how their Birdland tease, which really is a Birdland jam, that almost serves as the path by which they get from this way out there type two improvisation eventually back into the head of one-stop shop into the meat yep. of of the tune and as i was listening to this very loudly in my car i <laughs> was giggling uh with delight when they got into the the birdland tease it just it, it was just the perfect perfect moment think that one stop shop this is kind of a summer 95 fish type conversation for me absolutely There's yeah so much listening and a constant exchange of ideas where every 30 seconds every minute every minute and a half we've morphed what we're playing uh, a bit so it's a new thing hive mind just that four way communication on display i th- think I counted maybe seven different sections of distinct improvisation in this one-stop shop. And for a 20-minute jam, that's pretty impressive. I know Aggie is not a new band. They're not necessarily a a super young band. These are seasoned expert improvisational musicians. But I agree, this is one of my favorite jams that I've heard from last year. Just to add a couple more little nerdy notes about one-stop shop, I think it's cool how as... Uh, They get into the meat of the jam. You mentioned around 10 minutes. Alex kind of starts playing a little more quickly, even though the tempo doesn't necessarily change. He's just, it feels like he's playing maybe twice the closed hi-hat hits or or notes, and it really gives a little bit of energy to the jam. And it feels like the jam is maybe expanding horizontally, just kind of sprawling as they get into this rising and falling melody. Thank you. 
Jake takes this rhythmic lick around 12 minutes and it totally changes how the jam sounds. It goes from this, you know, tight little groove to all of a sudden uh, it's bouncy and it's light and it doesn't necessarily feel hemmed in by meter. Other nerdy things that I wanted to mention. You talked about the Middle Eastern like klezmer jam. How do you love uh, those synth sounds from Donnie when it it literally sounds like it's some kind of metallic buzzing sort of a yes. sort, yeah? Are those are great, right? Yeah, he's I, I I love some of the effects that he's throwing in there. Like really like this like ear candy. It's great. From 15 to 17 minutes, Jake is kind of working back into major mode, and Alex is just showing how much of a stud he is that whole time. Really crank it up and just give it a full listen. is in my brain but after they do the birdland and kind of get back into the one-stop shop it sounds to me like mike on bass is thinking about teasing the radiohead national anthem that they have like jammed around before or maybe that's just it shares some dna with with one-stop shops baseline i'm not sure but i around 18 minutes uh, a little bit before that actually i i could have sworn it's not noted uh my my homie Ryan Storm would say that's a coincidental chord progression. Doesn't doesn't count, uh, but I I definitely heard it to my ears. So I'm I'm definitely gonna have to listen. Next time I listen back, I'm gonna have to listen for that. What a heck of a jam. Did you have anything else from Cleveland that you wanted 
to highlight. I've, I've got one more that I want to just give a little bit of love to, but any other jams from Cleveland that stuck out to you? Yeah, I mean, a couple a couple others. Uh, the Skin It Back set closer, you know, uh, Jake uses that. I don't remember the name of the pedal, but it's it's that kind of staccato, quick effect pedal that he used basically all of the second half of last year. But this time it kind of starts, usually he's playing like incredibly quickly with that effect pedal and like almost like I think he's using the effect pedal to like speed up his playing somehow. I don't know any of the the technical <laughs> jargon behind that. But but like around 12 minutes, he starts up using that effect in a much, much slower way than he usually does. Um, you know, still kind of those staccato like short notes, but um, it's it's more melodic than it usually is when he when he uses that effect pedal. And then it kind of picks up into that like blazingly fast. Um, use of that effect, but I thought the skin it back was a great set closer. Other two kind of highlights that jumped out uh, for me in the show was uh, Northern Lights has a, a cool jam around eight minutes. Um, I'm going to now refer to another Jake effect, which I call the robot robot metallic tone. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's it, it's it's vaguely like the tone that Trey's been using in 4.0, kind of that like dirty metallic sound. It's like kind of not as fully formed as Trey's effect because um, he probably doesn't have nearly as many pedals to run them through. But it's that really cool, um, you know, robot metallic tone that he uses around eight minutes. And then that kind of just moves down to this kind of quieter jam um, with some really great, like um, fresh bass sounds from Mike and really delicate drumming. Um, and just like a really good example of that, like hive mind group playing where, you know, Eggy can really play both, you know, fast and loud, but also very quietly and patient where, you know, and, and it's that kind of dynamic range between the loud and the soft and the fast and the slow that really highlight, you know, like the very careful listening that they do as a band. I thought that was really great. And then finally, the shape I'm in kind of morphs into this really great like dance music jam around nine minutes. I think they have a guest sitting in. I don't recall the name of the guest, 
It's Craig Broadhead, and I looked it up, and he was in the band. You'll know how to pronounce this. I'm not sure I do, but tur- Turquoise? I, I know what band you're, yeah, tur- Turquoise. I guess he and the majority of the band uh, left uh, in uh, like maybe early 21 or at some at some point during during the pandemic. So he's no longer in that band. But man, that dude can play. I've never listened to to that band. That dude is is a shredder and it's a really enjoyable dual guitar jam. I loved all the Daniel Donato kind of Jake Daniel jams. And that was a little more distinct back and forth. Uh, Whereas this, it feels like they were just kind of letting the guests kind of go at it. And man, it it starts, starts, it's like classic rock virtuoso early in, in the shape I'm in, uh, but it gradually turns bluesy. I mean, it's like 20 minutes, but I, I was loving it the whole time. So that's a good call. Yeah. It's, it's a great jam. And it's one of those, like, this is, you know, one of those things that's really great about Eggy, you know, here they are taking a, a song from the band and, you know, it's very much a, is this still the shape I'm in? You know, by the time you get to like 15 minutes in, like it doesn't sound anything like this is like a full on type two jam where they're, you know, taking a, a song from the band and it just morphs into so many different uh, different forms over the course of the 20 minutes. set one uh during evergreen which is just a really sweet kind of nice tune uh but and you'll have to help me with the pronunciation catholic turned lutheran over here but in uh, <laughs> about 535 into evergreen it's a uh, is it hatikva yep yep hatikva and that's what the israeli national anthem yes I, I believe I believe okay. so. <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry everyone but I thought it was notable just because it blended so well that tease Hatikva tease with uh, the evergreen lick uh at yes. once they played it at 535 and it almost kind of morphed back into the evergreen lick around 610 as that you know short little uh not super jammed out song peaked so that was another thing that I wanted to shout out And just to circle all the way back uh, toward 
skin it back. And yeah, the, the chase bliss mood pedal is that thing that that we were talking about. I thought it was a really good example of how well uh, the band and particularly Alex could kind of blend with that. Cause Alex has to sort of drop out a little bit and almost like reset himself to, to be able to, to play along quickly with, with that guitar effect. I don't know anything about playing drums, but it sounds like it would be a difficult thing to do, but he really pulls it off with expertise uh, because at 1045 in the skin it back, it's literally a solo. Like it's only, it's only Jake playing that effect. But Alex kind of gradually adds the drums back in and by like 1140, it's fully integrated and Donnie's adding some long synth layers on top by 12 minutes. So that sounds like it would be a little bit of a challenge to to play around, but they're they're not having any issues. So those are all all good jams. And and for sure, like I've noticed sometimes when he uses that pedal, like the introduction of of using that pedal can be a little bit abrupt. It's not always the smoothest transition into that pedal. Like um, the one show I attended last fall um, at the Brighton Music Hall in Boston, where they had the huge boomer bust, um, the transition into using that staccato pedal um, was basically like, they came to a full stop. Like the jam basically stopped and then it started back up again um, using that pedal. But um, in this version of Skin It Back, like it, it very is very smoothly integrated into the song and feels like a very smooth transition into the use of that pedal. Literally, the the overall note that I had made for Skin It Back was, man, the band is they're definitely doing a great job of playing along with that pedal and the groove as Skin It Back. It doesn't sound anything like the Little Feet original. I yeah. mean, they they managed to replicate the little feet vibe uh, very well for the first handful of minutes, but then it's totally their own thing. And the groove around the end of the jam around 17 minutes is just insanely great and heavy. Doesn't sound anything like little feet. Shall we move on west and head from Ohio? Uh, we won't stop in Indiana, but we'll go to Chicago. <laughs> Let's do it. I uh, was curious about where this bar or music venue is that the show was was played. Martyrs, uh, to come to find out, it's about a mile west of Wrigley Field. So if anyone has Chicago kind of, uh, reference points, you kind of know the area that we're, we're talking about. I'm sure we'll talk about this jam, but there is a funny point at the tail end of the show. You know the audience is having a good time because 
uh, as they get into Crosby, Stills, and Nash's carry-on, there are some drunken ooh, oohs that are, but yes. it, it doesn't take away, thankfully and mercifully, from the overall musicality of the song and the quality of the jam. So my compliments to the band for keeping it together in, in a face of some challenging conditions and people who are really, really having a fun time. What sort of uh, raised your hair the most about 1020 in Chicago? It's it's definitely like the that shadow carry on coming up sandwich. That's one of the absolute highlights of, you know, 2023 eggy for me. Um, there's there's a full video on YouTube of that entire segment, which I would highly recommend, um, you know, pro shot video that the band released. Really, really fantastic um, stuff. You know, clearly the highlight of the show and, and the entire second set. It's just, it it really shows like some of like what makes Eggy special because here they're covering a couple, you know, well, one classic rock song, one 80s Paul McCartney song, which I didn't realize was a Paul McCartney song until Eggy played it and I heard it. <laughs> and then I'm like, I recognize this song. Like I'm familiar with this song. And I'm like, that's Paul McCartney. Wow. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, that that whole segment um, is is really fantastic. Well, it's like forty five minutes or forty, however long it is. But yeah, it's it's fantastic. I did not realize that there was pro uh, shot video on YouTube, so I will link to that in the show notes. But you had mentioned when we uh, were talking about uh, the the last show uh, how Jake has a bit of a, a tray kind of industrial 4.0 tone. Whenever I'm taking eggy notes, I refer to that as his bloop, bloop, bleep, bleep pedal. Sure. Uh, and he's, he's definitely got that going on early in the shadow. Uh, I think around six minutes, but it's really nice because that industrial sound is balanced by Donnie's light keys, uh, which is yes. great. from oh like around 12 minutes to 14 minutes jake's back on his cleaner guitar uh, and then they kind of finish that idea with more and more speed which was fun they can also accelerate the groove like at will whenever they feel like it
even if this was just a standalone shadow, right, that just ended like 19 minutes in, like this would be like a really, really, really great and one of the top jams of the year. But it's just they're just getting started, you know, with with the shadow. Um, the other thing I noticed, like the Donnie's like some of those keyboard sounds that he's using, like around 11 and a half minutes or so, it's almost sounds almost like Bernie Worrell esque, like from Stop Making Sense. Oh yeah, um, just like that kind of the, that, that that synth sound that just makes me think of the Talking Heads. playing this Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, or just CSN song rather. Uh, again, they're able to sort of pivot away from the original material and it has a really punchy pocket. And I, I mean, Jake is doing some guitar hero type antics uh, early on in this carry on uh, before the aforementioned drunken oots kick in. what they do with this song and it, I don't know what again I, I don't have any technical effect knowledge or pedal knowledge or anything but Jake like he's definitely using some type of loop it sounds like and then there's almost like this like decaying effect where like like whatever loop he's playing like kind of starts to fade out and the whole band like kind of drops out and then he builds it back up I'm I'm certainly not doing uh, the the cool effect that he's using justice, but like <laughs> he uses it every single time that they do coming up, and it's just this really really cool effect that like the band is like right there with him as he kind of employs it, and it's it's really cool. just a, a phenomenal 45 minutes. I can't wait to watch the video myself on YouTube. Covers within covers, within originals. What more could you ask for? 
this is the benefit of writing out set lists and like to compare, you know, fish a little bit. Fish doesn't, they don't use set lists. You would never get this cool of a, you know, sandwich in a fish show because like this, this has to be planned out. Like, right. Like the band clearly was like, all right, we're going to do shadow into carry on into coming up back into carry on and then close out shadow. And it's just such a great segment of music that like benefits from some planning. You, you just wouldn't get this type of music and this type of segment and all these segues just, you know, up on stage with Trey making the next call for what the next song is. You'll get obviously some fantastic segues, but this like very planned out, you know, sandwich is is just really cool. And it kind of shows like as great as it is to get up onto stage and not have any set list, like set lists can be pretty cool because it can lead to really great song combinations. Yeah, that's a good thought. And that makes a lot of sense. And I feel that it doesn't take away from their on the fly improvisational ability because, you know, Jake will bust out tease of either five songs that they played earlier in the show. Like it's as easy as taking a breath. He will work in a, a, a fish tease, for example, or whatever the tease may be. And it always sounds effortless. Uh, and the whole band is, is ready to, to either maybe pivot around that as we talked about earlier in the, the one-stop shop where they use that Birdland tease to kind of get back to the head of the song from Cleveland. Uh, but I, I did real quickly want to give some flowers to Time Loves a Hero. Might as well talk about a second phenomenal Little Feet cover uh, in as many nights uh, because it, to me, uh, is an Alex clinic. Uh, there are some cool uh, guitar scraping or maybe Donnie like laser beam type touches sort of early on around seven minutes. I wasn't super sure what it was. Even before that, it's guitar-led and it's anthemic and it doesn't sound anything like Time Loves a Hero, the bouncy kind of shuffle that that, that song has in its DNA. So that was neat. Uh, Alex drops into a groove uh, with Jake right along for the ride, right around 11 minutes. And Donnie's there with great clav support. Mike is playing very melodically on the bass. Uh, and I just thought some of the some of the drum fills and some of the cymbal crashes that Alex was tossing in added to the intensity. Clinic and Jake is right there neck and neck the whole time. It reminded me of 
of a, a certain band that we've already probably mentioned a couple of times here where when the guitar player and the drummer are both insanely talented and they're not competing in an abrasive way, but they're just pushing each other in a, in a, in a great kind of brotherhood cooperative way. Like we're, we're the ones who benefit. So I thought it was a, a pretty killer time loves a hero. And one other notable thing about the first set, it's the debut of sweat equity, um, yes. which, you know, really for the debut of this song, it's like a 15 minute version. Um, I'm going to have to steal Dave Goldstein's description of this song. He calls it the best Jerry Garcia band song you've never heard, which once you get that in into your head, it's just that really great kind of laid back JGB groove. It immediately became one of my favorite uh, Eggy songs. It's just it's a classic sounding song from right off the bat. They're doing great job jamming it. Uh, the last show from this run in Milwaukee, there's a fantastic segue from Sweat Equity into Lay Down Sally. Um, you know, just just the fact that like this brand new debut, they already seem so comfortable playing. And again, it's just it's a fantastic song. Yeah, totally agree. And I'm glad that you pointed that out, because for a debut, like, get out of here. This is this is very impressive. Uh, it's it's a well-balanced kind of groove for much of the time all around uh, the Chase Bliss mood pedal. Uh, but then everyone but Jake drops out. Uh, the full groove kind of picks back up and and fills back in right around 13 minutes and the drums and the bass just are are way out front and shining and Alex's little offbeat cymbal accents uh just I'm a I'm a sucker for the drummer and Iggy. I think he's I think oh, yeah. he's damn good. He he is he's definitely their secret sauce. This is great. Yeah, lots to celebrate from the first two shows. We have one more show that we're going to talk about, and uh, that is in Minneapolis next night. These guys are logging some miles on the highways uh, of the Southern Great Lakes because we make the curve past Chicago and we head up to Minnesota. Uh, the club that this show was played at, I forget the name, but I looked it up on a map. It's across the street from the Target Center where the Timberwolves play basketball. So this is downtown, nice. this is downtown Minneapolis. I had one big takeaway from October 21st, and at least on Relisten, uh, this is presented uh, as a three song all together segment, whereas I believe on Nugs it was it was tracked out separately. But I just I'm talking about it the, the whole trio of songs because we're going to use those odds. Uh, but Burritos El Chavo two into All Wheels Turning uh, with a sick sick segue into Kiss from a Rose by Seal, which color me surprised. I was not expecting uh, that to oh, yeah. pop up. But man, they uh, 
they they leaned into it and dare I say they they pulled it off. Was that a segment that stuck out to you in Minneapolis? Oh yeah, yeah. The the all all wheels turning in particular um was just a a really, really great jam. Um I have like, you know, there's this cool shift in the jam around 12 minutes where the tempo slows down. Donnie is again kind of sprinkling in some really cool keyboard effects. Jake comes back in with the robot metallic uh, effect that he's been using a lot. everything kind of quiets back down again and I think around 14 and a half minutes in and then Jake starts to use that uh, staccato effect again which uh you know I I've thought a little bit like is he overusing this effect a little bit but it's it's a great effect and it just like every time he uses it like it it leads to really interesting playing from the entire band so like yeah like this is a new toy that he's using and use the new toy because it sounds awesome and like, imagine walking in and like, this is your first Eggy show. You've never seen them before. It's just a cool effect. And like, you know, overuse it, play it a lot because it really makes these jams sound really engaging and it's a great jumping off point. Well, yeah. And I think the fact that upon really close listen, the thing that stood out was how well the band was able to kind of hop on the Chase Bliss mood train and incorporate themselves into that effect which is so distinct and and so unique and does have the ability to 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 be just a standalone sound i think that's a testament to how hive mind the four of these guys are thought that as the hints of kiss from a rose kind of emerged it was like oh they're moving into a different section i'm not a, i'm I, I don't know what it is just yet uh but then as as they start to drop into that melody the crowd in minneapolis they sure knew what it was because their reaction to i mean they they were they were with oh, yeah. it. they were there were no groans no what what is this like they were they were on board and that just really really tickled me. I listened to this the other morning and for the next like two hours, I was, I was humming kiss from a rose to myself for, for better or for worse.
another thing and the last thing that I thought was awesome about this whole segment was there is a chill ambient finish for about a minute and a half, sort of as Kiss from a Rose fades out. To be willing to play that kind of quiet, intense, uh, moody, ethereal music in a rock club in downtown Minneapolis, how cool, shows cojones, and it just shows kind of a, a musical intuition uh, to follow, you know, where, wherever wherever the, the muse may take them. But yeah, one heck of an all wheels turning kiss from a rose sandwich, that's for sure on a Saturday night, no less, to, to, to want to be able to play so delicately and quietly. Like this is an, an amped up, you know, Saturday night crowd ready to party. And, you know, the, the best bands will like go in different directions and even play a little quietly and delicately. And that's what they did. That whole segment was my big takeaway from this Minneapolis show, uh, but just a couple couple little uh, thoughts to tack on uh, in watercolor days. Uh, we get a kiss from a rose tease around 515, and then they toss in a chest fever tease, which they had played earlier in the show. And then we get a material girl from Madonna tease. When I was listening to this show, when it was first posted back in the fall, I was like, wait, what is, I I know what that is. What is that's, is that Madonna? Oh, look at these guys. Uh, so I thought, I thought that was super cool. And that they throw in a backyard bear quote from earlier in the show, come up slow quote. So I love the self self referential tease fest that these guys do. Do you have any sort of broad philosophical thoughts about how sometimes they'll wrap up a set to or an encore, uh, with this, with this sort of a thing? Does it, how does it strike you? I, I, I really like it. You know, like it's it's obviously something that Fish will do sometimes. Trey will throw in teases from, you know, a bunch of songs that they previously played. You know, it's not something that I think, you know, you want to hear every single show. It could be, you know, it could kind of be a bit of a crutch. But like when they do it and they do it like well, like they did it at this show, I think it's really fantastic. I actually think uh, that that chest fever material girl, I think they did like a chest fever into material girl back into chest fever. Yes. I, I, that's what my notes say, which is yes. like kind of insane when you think about it. <laughs> um, you know, like who would ever do, you know, pair those songs up to tease.
and then and then the encore is again one of those like they did a lot of those kind of tease fest encores in 2023 and you know this one has you know teases to previous songs in the show and then they do you can call me al into susu studio back into you can call me al like this just speaks to like the you know 80s music fan in me these are my original like music you know memories this is like the 80s this is where i kind of came of age and started really getting into music and you know some paul simon and uh, some phil collins like that's great sure exactly how old they are i mean they're they're about 10 years younger than me i know that much i'm in my early to mid 40s uh they may be a little more than 10 years younger than me but man they have old souls between all of the 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 crosby stills and nash stuff and and, but all all the 80s songs they're they're it sounds like they're listening to more 80s stuff than i ever have to be honest i mean similar to me they've got to be like you know 15 to 20 years younger than i am and like you know they're gotta be in their early 30s or something they play these 80s songs and these like classic rock songs they they really know how to play them and these are very disparate songs like it being able to play like susu studio while also being able to just kill like chest fever or carry on like these aren't similar songs in any way shape or form and they just they really get inside the songs and uh it's, it's really impressive. And it's also like you hear these songs and they're just fun. Um, they're fun. I would imagine they're fun to play. I'm sure that's why they're playing them. And they're really fun to hear. Like, I don't know when the last time I had heard Susu Studio before, <laughs> like I had heard some Eggy show from back in, I don't know. I think there's some show from like fall of 2022 where they played Susu Studio. I was like, oh, I remember that song. I used to love Phil Collins. Right. This is great. Yeah, it's it's so cool. Uh, well, we are recording this in early February. I hope to have it out in a few days, um, but this is well before Iggy gets back out on the road. Uh, they're headed to the to the Midwest, middle of the month of February. Uh, do you have any hopes or predictions or thoughts uh, about this upcoming stretch of Iggy shows? Anything uh, maybe that maybe that has occupied your mind if you look ahead to to bands? 
Uh, I'm just looking forward to kind of hearing where they go in 2024. You know, those those first two treehouse shows uh, from early in January were really strong, especially for just two, like, I guess not one-off shows, but a two, two off shows where, you know, they hadn't played in several weeks and now they, you know, won't be playing for several months. So, like, I'm just excited to see them get back on the road. They're playing, uh, they're doing another show up in Portland so I'll get to see them just 10 minutes from my house uh, in March. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing them then. And uh, 2023 was obviously just a fantastic year for the band. You know, it's it's kind of exactly the type of like, you know, big growth year. I think, you know, they're, they're gaining in momentum. They're ga- gaining in fan base. And the music is really getting tighter and more interesting and more dynamic you know, as they go along. So I'm, I'm really excited for, you know, this entire year and, and this upcoming tour. Yeah. Super well said. It's been exciting to hear all of these uh, shows and tours that are planned kind of roll out. I'm pumped to be able to see them here in Las Vegas uh, in April at uh, one of the, the, I think it's fish night one at the sphere an after party or an after show at Brooklyn bowl. So I'm tickled about that. Uh, I'm hoping that as we get into February, uh, that we just hear uh, varied playing because we've talked even in this podcast about these three shows, how they can you know do so many different things with the groove. Uh, we only mentioned a couple of moments uh, where they kind of got ethereal uh, and did a little brief post peak stuff. That was something that in episode one, Al and I discussed a little bit more because it happened a little bit more in some of the treehouse shows. So I'm kind of still hoping that that that's a little something that we get uh, from time to time. But yeah, I'm I'm just excited to have some new eggy to put into my ear holes. So I'm I'm looking forward, looking forward to tour like like everybody else is. Uh, I have a last little segment here before we wrap where our guest and myself will recommend uh, a random jam that is totally separate from anything we've talked about and I call it the parting shot. I'll go first. I want to shout out the September 26th in Missoula, Montana, here and now. It is a 29-minute behemoth. Uh, it has like three distinct sections. It's athletic. Uh, early, then it gets bluesy, almost gave me fish soundcheck vibes and it's relaxed, kind of bluesy nature. Uh, and then it gets peaky, but it remains understated. So the 926 uh, Missoula, Montana here and now, and I will put this in the show notes. Did uh, you have any jams that you wanted or jam singular that you wanted to shout out since you've been on the Aggie train for a little while? Um, you know, this is, this is kind of an obvious one, but, um, it's from a show that I went to, uh, back in November, that Brighton, Brighton music hall show, the boomer bust is just huge. Um, it's, you know, close to 30 minutes long, multiple different jam segments. Um, and, uh, it, it was, you know, kind of being in the room when they just go on, you know, one of these long exploratory jams, um, it was it was a lot of fun. Really, really high energy crowd, high energy from the band. Um, again, you know, Jake employs that staccato effect pedal. Um, again, the transition wasn't quite as smooth as some of the other ones, but like it's it's a really great jam. Um, both before and after he uses that pedal. Um, you know that that's got to be one of the one of the better jams from uh, from twenty twenty three, and I really enjoyed that one. 
Yeah, great recommendation. I've been, I uh, found myself talking more uh, about Aggie and recommending jams uh, on Mastodon. And folks can follow you at Nola Socks. They can follow me at Justin Bruce. We're on Shakedown Social on Mastodon. Uh, but that is one of one of the ones, the 1116 Boomer Bust, uh, that I've definitely suggested along with the 926 here and now. So yeah, those are those are both good uh, jam jam recommendations. To tease ahead to our next show, uh, we're going to talk to someone that we both follow on Mastodon, uh, Brian Wolf. He is just Brian uh, on Shakedown Social on Mastodon. And I believe if all goes well, he's going to be able to see a few of the uh, Midwest shows from the first leg of the tour. So we'll check in with him and and see how that went. Uh, But we're excited uh, to listen to some new Aggie and then to talk about our favorite jams. I uh, want to thank everyone for listening to Vice or Virtue and Aggie Pod. All the usual stuff subscribe, leave a glowing review. If you have a friend who's into Aggie or a friend who likes fish and goose and should be into Aggie, pass them along some of these jams. Let them know about this podcast. You can connect with me on Instagram. I have an account, uh, Vice or Virtue Pod. Uh, we've talked about Mastodon more than we probably should. You can email me, <laughs> vice or virtue, and eggypod at gmail.com. Uh, but would love to hear uh, what you guys think. Uh, any feedback is appreciated. And yeah, looking forward to some more Eggy. But Josh, man, it's been good to good to get to chat with you about these three Midwest shows. When they played these shows, summer late summer was very good. But when they played these three shows, I was like, oh. All right, here here we go. Definitely elevated a, a notch in my ears, but appreciate your time. And yeah, I'll, I'll see you on the internet. Thank, thanks for having me on, Justin. I appreciate it. Yeah.